In the U.S., it's the Navy SEALs. In Canada, Joint Task Force 2. In England, they're known as the SAS. Elite troops, highly trained for dangerous missions, and in Cuba, translated into English, they're known as the Black Wasps. By the truckload, Cuba dispatched elite fighters into the capital of Havana to put down the unthinkable. Thousands of people taking to the streets to protest the lack of food and the ever-increasing numbers of people contracting and dying from COVID. Hard to think it could happen, as demonstrations have popped up all across the 777-mile stretch of island, 90 miles from the U.S. border. The Internet was turned off to try and stop the spread of protests. The country now has a vaccine, but not enough syringes to inject. That's the dilemma of Cuba. If you keep a prayer list, now's a good time to pray for Cuba, to pray for Christians, for more to find Christ. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And welcome to another program called War and Grace, stories of faith found as a result of two world wars in the last century. But first, let me give you an update, personal words regarding Cuba. Our Spanish program, El Faro, has seen a dramatic uptick these past months from listeners inside the communist country to the south. We're airing a series on prayer last week in this. We're not wading into the political struggle. But the tensions run deep, even as the gospel continues to spread. Our in-country team is laying low, even as team members struggle to find food. Join me in praying for God's peace to come into the hearts of more even as people struggle with COVID and hunger. In fact, why don't we just pray right now? Lord, we're not getting as much news out of Cuba as we were a couple of days ago. The internet is turned off. Phones are being shut down. Mobile uploads are being disrupted. But I want to pray for the gospel to keep going forth. I want to pray for the people of Cuba. I want to pray that you would be with your saints in Cuba right now. Those who have met you as Lord and Savior only in the last few months, only in the last few years. Lord, would you be with that country right now, but especially would you be with the believers and with your church as it continues to grow? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today, I want to share a story from the Second World War that illustrates why I began today urging you to pray for the people of Cuba. We're in this series, War and Grace, and the story of Scottish minister Donald Caskey is a great reminder of what the Lord can do when we determine in our hearts to love our neighbors at our own expense. Caskey was in Paris when the Nazis invaded France in World War II. He first thought about fleeing But then he found a greater calling to help people escape the deathly clutches of the German army. The British consul gave him a pass to get on the last ship that was going to leave from Bayonne in the south of France back to the safety of Britain. And as he was walking up the gangplank, he felt uneasy. He turned and he got off the boat to stay in the defeated France 
because he believed that God had called him to France and he wasn't going to let the Nazis chase him away. That's the voice of the late pastor and author Don Stevens. We're going to hear more from him in a moment as he shares about the life of Donald Caskey and how he was used by the Lord to rescue many from the hands of the Nazis. After the program, I want to send you a copy of the book called War and Grace, written by Don Stevens, for your gift to the ministry. It's a unique book. It's filled with wartime biographies, like the one that we'll hear today, as well as people like Louis Zamperini and Mitsuo Fujita, the pilot who led the attack of the Japanese on Pearl Harbor and came to know Christ after the war. As you read this book, you'll be amazed at how the Lord works to shine light in the darkest of times, how he's still doing that in Cuba today. I know you'll enjoy reading this book this summer, just like me. So would you call us after the program? Would you make a gift to the ministry? But would you also ask for a copy of War and Grace? Our number to call is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online, and there you'll find resources, like the video that we shot with Louis Zamperini before he died, and a special blog post on his life. You can experience all of that and make your gift, and ask for the book at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now it's time to get started. Here's a song by Pat Barrett. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress. Oh, you are my portion. You are my hiding place. Oh, I believe you are. I'm 
the way. New Horizon. Pat Barrett opening this haven today, and I'm Charles Morris with a program called War and Grace. And now I want us to continue looking at stories of faith out of World War I and World War II. These stories were compiled and written by the pastor, Don Stevens, who was a pastor in England for many years and had a keen interest in history. But more than just heroic stories, Don shared these stories of faith with his congregation in Liverpool to encourage them that the Lord's mighty hand was always with his people in the darkest of times. So let's hear a little more from Don as he sets up our Christian hero today, Reverend Donald Caskey. One of the most astonishing Christians I have ever met was Dr. Donald Caskey. He was a quiet, shy, unassuming man who did great things that most of us wouldn't even like to contemplate. He was born 1902 on the island of Isla, that's I-S-L-A-Y, off the west coast of Scotland. There were eight children in the family, and although his father was only a crofter with a few other minor business interests, the family were really spiritual millionaires. Family worship was prominent in this sort of Scots Presbyterian home, and it was also made clear to him right at an early age that family prayers had to be made real in his own life and that the Christian faith is a most personal matter. So one evening after he got home from church, he was thinking over what his minister had just preached and his minister had ended the message with, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And he knew that he had never come to Christ. So he says in his book that he knelt by his bedside and surrendered himself to Christ. That simple act of faith completely changed his life, making all things, including him, new. So he became a Christian by God's free grace before he even started secondary school in Dunoon. He was a clever lad, and with his family's encouragement, he had memorized whole chapters and many complete psalms from the Bible. Little did he know when he was doing the memorizing that later on, when he would be in prison and they would take his Bible away from him, that that memorization was going to stand him in good stead. This was the sort of guy who could repeat the whole of Isaiah chapter 43 to you. A testimony to the blessing of growing up in a Christian home that takes faith in Christ seriously, presented by the late pastor Don Stevens. Donald Kasky didn't just go through the motions like many of us might be tempted to do. He placed his faith first in Christ, and it was that faithfulness in walking with his Lord that would lead many to salvation and even safety in a great war. Here's Don Stevens again to share the story. He'd always wanted to be a minister. His mother tells a story of seeing him on a stool, waving his arms around. And she said, what were you doing there, son? And she said, oh, I was practicing to be a minister. Well, the Lord called him to be a minister. And his mother had always prayed that one of her sons would become a minister. So here was his opportunity. He goes to New College in Edinburgh 
and he's ordained in the Church of Scotland. His first church is Gretna Green, where he, he, the lifelong bachelor, by the way, often found himself marrying couples who preferred Scottish law to English law. And then in 1935, he made a fateful decision. He decided to accept a call to the Scottish church in Paris. And it was that move to Paris that was going to pitch him into difficulties because five years after, in June 1940, it was Hitler's Nazi army that was going to capture Paris and Kasky found himself having to pedal a bike to the south of France in order to get away. The British consul gave him a pass to get on the last ship that was going to leave from Bayonne in the south of France back to the safety of Britain. And as he was walking up the gangplank, he felt uneasy. He turned and he got off the boat to stay in the defeated France because he believed that God had called him to France and he wasn't going to let the Nazis chase him away. Next, he arrived in Marseille where he saw hundreds of British soldiers who'd not escaped from Dunkirk on the docksides. And as Caskey notes, most of the French down there didn't seem to like the British. So he acted pretty quickly. He took over an empty seaman's mission, he saw, and he stuck a notice up, now open to British civilians and seamen. The obliging U.S. Embassy, which was not at that point fighting on our side, issued new identity papers for our soldiers and they destroyed their uniforms by dropping them in the harbour with a brick on them. And then the Siemens mission was opened as the headquarters of an escape route. British intelligence sent shot down airmen, torpedoed sailors, and soldiers who'd not been captured so that he could put them on an escape line which would go over the mountains into Spain, down to Gibraltar, and then back to Britain. He lived on his nerves doing this, but he also lived by prayer in the presence of the Christ he had come to know those years earlier. Donald Caskey a faithful servant who used his life to help others escape the brutality of the Nazi regime, while also preaching to them good news of the gospel. But a while later, he would find himself captured. Don Stevens, sharing the rest of the story. A British agent at this time warned Kasky that he had information that the Germans were going to arrest him and he fixed it for a plane to land in a field outside Grenoble and all he had to do was go and get on the plane and he'd be back in England before breakfast. He decided God had called him to work in France. And what the agent said came true. One night he goes back to his lodgings in Grenoble, flicks on the light switch and five revolvers are looking at him. So he is taken into prison. He was in seven prisons altogether. The one in Nice was very bad. He could hear the shrieks of prisoners. Only his personal faith in Christ kept him going while he was going through this period. And with his long uncut nails, 
He saw the plaster on the wall and he carved into the plaster on the wall these words. Thus saith the Lord, fear not, for I have redeemed you. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the next prisoner who was thrown into that cell was a man called Captain Valet, who was so afraid of torture, he was about to open a vein on his wrist and kill himself. And he looked up, saw the words on the plaster, put down his tool, and the word of God on the plaster spoke to his soul and saved his life. Later on, that same guy was thrown into the same prison cell with Donald Caskey. It was in another prison, and with great emotion, the captain told how he'd read the words of the Bible on the wall of a prison cell. I'll never forget those words, he said, and he quoted them to prove that he'd read them. And Caskey said, well, I was the man who put them on the plaster. There you've got an example of how the word of God stopped a man committing suicide. The next test was to face a court and he was sentenced to death. He asked before they shot him if he could see a minister, a pastor. A German Lutheran pastor called Pastor Hans Peters visited him. He read Romans chapter 8 with him in the death cell and then walked away and said, I'll try and see if the Germans will lift the death sentence. Pastor Peters then went to a Nazi general who changed the sentence to life imprisonment. So Kasky remained in Saint-Denis prison in Paris until the war was over. He was destined to meet that Hans Peters once again on a TV programme called This Is Your Life. The red book from that is still in the National Library of Scotland. Caskey received the OBE for what he did during the war and King George VI personally thanked him on behalf of the men he'd saved. In 1983, he died at the age of 81. What an inspiring story of the Lord using a faithful servant in a hostile place to save many even carving with his own hands a message from the Lord to those in prison. Donald Caskey, a hero, and someone we can learn a lot from. His story reminds me of Rahab in the book of Joshua. She was living in enemy territory. But instead of capitulating, she helped the Israelite spies escape. Her faith in the Lord led her to resist the tyranny of sin. Caskey, too. His courage to resist saved thousands of lives and brought many to the Lord. It raises the question for all of us, how is our faith in the Lord leading us to love our neighbors and to care about their lives? Will I believe you when you say Your hand will guide my every way Will I receive the words you say Every moment of every day
Jeremy Camp from his album, I Still Believe and Walk by Faith on a program called War and Grace. The story of Pastor Donald Caskey is a great story of rescue, wouldn't you say? I love hearing stories of people stuck in the worst of times and hearing how they ultimately found rescue in the nick of time. Donald Caskey was that rescuer for many. But he ultimately knew the real rescuer of life, Jesus Christ. And when you read War and Grace, short biographies from the world wars, I know you will be greatly encouraged. You'll even be inspired to put your faith in Christ all the more. Thirteen stories that show how God's amazing grace over and over again come through the lives of war survivors. I want you to have war and grace this July. It'll remind you that the Lord is always at work, no matter how dark things seem to get. Believe me, it's a real page-turner, but it'll fill you with hope this summer. Why don't you call us right now? Make your gift to the ministry, and we want to send you war and grace. Our number to call is 800 That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online and you'll find those resources we've placed there, like the video we shot with the late Louis Zamperini and a blog post on his life. You can experience all of that when you make your gift and ask for the book at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And if you'd like to hear the full 30-minute interview with the late Louis Zamperini, recorded with him at his home in the Hollywood Hills, just below that famous Hollywood sign. We have that posted on our Great Stories podcast. Look for it at haventoday.org or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Wednesday. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. What kind of inheritance you receive depends on whose child you are. Many people have received a family heirloom or a sentimental trinket from their parents. A lucky few have inherited a fortune. That's what happens to the children of the rich. Here's another kind of relationship. Paul uses the phrase children of wrath in Ephesians 2.3. It's a description that tells us what our inheritance was before coming to saving knowledge in Jesus. If you're a child of wrath, then wrath is what you will receive. But God has adopted us through Christ. With that change of status comes glorious change in inheritance. It all depends on whose child you are. Through Jesus, you're a child of God. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.